This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I welcome on friend and partner of the show, Todd, from Die Hard Dice to chat about his company and the fancy math rocks that make the games we know and love possible. I'm your host, Steve, 15.3 miles away from the studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. Yeah, we're back. I'm excited for this one, man. Oh boy, this has been a long time coming. It you're, really I has. Mean, you're you're wheeling and dealing, Steve. You're getting some real important people on here, so I'm I'm proud of you. I'm glad I put you in this position. Wow, well, thank you very much. I mean, I wish <laughs> I wish I wish my pay stubs would recreate, uh, you know, reflect all the value that I'm bringing to the network. But you know, you're getting paid at exposure. <laughs> Actually, that's not too bad. That's not too that's not too untrue. I will certainly take that. Griff, you're right. It's exciting. We got a great guest on. Let's blow through this intro right away. What are you drinking tonight? I am drinking a corner piece. It is a imperial stout with cake flavors from Prairie Artisan Ales, and it is real good. I got it back home, and uh, I do not regret this purchase one bit. Prairie Artisan Ales? I don't think I've ever heard of them. Yeah, I hadn't either. Nice. But they make a good Imperial Stout, man. Okay. What about you? Good what to you know, drinking? man. I'm drinking a little something from Imperial Oak Brewing back home in Chicago. This is the Plaid Piper. It's a Scottish ale. Um, I've had it. I don't know if I've, I've had it on Zone of Truth, but I think I had it on the Mainline show. And man, is it tasty. Let's jump into it. On the HOP, Griff, you know we always roll with the best. That's why this week we brought on owner and founder of Die Hard Dice, Todd to the show to talk about Dice and give us a little look at his company, which is one of the few that makes the game we know and love possible. Welcome to the show, Todd. Hey, thanks, guys. It is a pleasure to finally be on here. We are so jazzed to have you on, Todd. It's a long time coming. I'm just thinking back to, what, two years ago now? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Origins when we actually got to hang out. May 2019, I think, is when we first started talking. Yeah, man. It, uh, it's been far too long, and we miss you. Oh, I miss you guys, too. Do I get it? What you drinking? <laughs> of course Yeah, what you are do. you drinking? Are you drinking something? Uh, let me just shame myself with some uh, bullshit Coors seltzers. <laughs> How are oh. those? And, I mean, they're just, they're seltzers. But, Run of the mill. You know, in Utah, the liquor laws are pretty awesome, I guess. No, they're bad. They're real bad. <laughs> Um, yeah, trust me. I lived in Pennsylvania for most of my life. I understand yeah. crappy liquor laws. Yeah. So, so you're out in Utah. What's the deal there, man? You can't, you can't get good booze. No, you can. If you go to the like state liquor store, which is only mm-hmm. open certain hours. If you want anything other than beer, you got to go to the state liquor store until recently. It was only 3.2% you could get at most from anywhere but a liquor store. So that's crazy. Yeah. But it's five now, so I'm I'm living large. Wow, <laughs> living that large ABV life. Watch out, Todd. Slow down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jesus, at three, is it even beer anymore? <laughs> it was nothing. That's super low. All right. Well, besides that, you're drinking a chunky five percent <laughs> seltzer. You're out in Utah. Todd, how about you just kind of introduce yourself to the folks at home who are listening who might not be familiar with you? 
Who are you? Yeah, I'm one of the owners of Die Hard Dice. I am the founder, and I don't know, I'm an all-around kind of geek. Just grew up as a geek and stayed a geek, and <laughs> miraculously somehow started a dice company that started to actually succeed. Um, so I'm living the dream. Like I'm really, really, really lucky. Hell yeah, man! Living the living the dream is right. So you, you said you grew up to a turn geek- geekery yeah. into a career is yeah. uh, is the dream for sure. Yeah, doing so. doing what you love. So Todd, where where'd you get your start, man? Were you uh, were you playing old school D anD D back in the day? Uh, what's your relationship with TTRPGs and I guess general geekery if you want to go down that route? I was raised in a Mormon family, and D anD D was was. <laughs> Satan worship. So mm-hmm. no D&D. What we were into was Palladium games. Um, had some RPG games that were like, they had one that was like ninjas and super spies. They had like Ninja Turtles. They had rifts. And But the one that we were super into was Heroes Unlimited. So it was all superhero RPG stuff. Even that got a little dodgy because it covered <laughs> magic. It was a part of the universe, so I had to hide those books. Yeah, it was like my first, well, my first taste of role-playing was my, uh, had a neighborhood friend that just like pieced together a game using graph paper. And it was, Mm -hmm. it was, we were all ninjas and we were like really young, like 10 or so. So whenever we got into a combat, we would jump on the trampoline and fight it out. And (laughs) and it evolved from there. Evolved from there into the the Heroes Unlimited and the other Palladium games, and yeah, all sorts of stuff from there. Like any collectible card game that came out, any like we played Warhammer. We made up our own tabletop war games using Legos, and just kind of kind of went from there. And it's always just been a part of me, at least, especially in my childhood. And I mean, there was a period that I kind of quote unquote grew up, but luckily I came back to it. <laughs> you never truly grow up. Yeah. Yeah. So my first question here is for Griffin. Um, when can we start doing the whole trampoline thing on the HMP? Because I would much <laughs> I mean, rather do that than our regular combats. I was just about to bring it up, Steve. I was just about to bring it up. I have a yard. You know, we could definitely get the trampoline. I don't know if there's any zoning regulations for being in the city with a trampoline, but mm. hey, we can make it happen. I mean, I think- what, what Patriot should we do to be jumping on the trampoline? <laughs> I, I think it would be great. You know, it's it's another battle episode coming up. You know, you're going to get 90 <laughs> minutes of the springs going. Talk about a punchy episode right there. No kidding. No kidding. <laughs> All right, Todd. So you, you played some Palladium games um, and, 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 and you're growing up. You you came back to the system. When you came back to the system or, uh, or rather geekery in general, um, what were you playing on, on, on your return? Are you playing in any games now? Oh man, that that's sad question actually. Because <laughs> the answer is the short answer is no. Um, it's uh, like at the moment, like most of my playing ends up being like one shots. Um, but I'll, and yeah, to an- I think to answer to the question directly, it's it's a bit of five e 
and uh, did some vampire, dipped my toe into some of the world of dark, or sorry, yeah, I mean, world of darkness vampire, but um, powered by the apocalypse. The, oh, yeah. They, they have a cyberpunk specific one and played that a tiny bit. Truth is, I just, it is hard to find the time to play, you know, between business and kids and uh, general COVID insanity. It's really difficult to get out there. Yeah, we, we've been pretty lucky in that we're just a, a bunch of people who, although we work, we do have a, a lot of free time that we can share with each other. But I know there's a lot of folks out there listening that that probably resonates a lot with. You know, there, there have been other shows out there. There have been other gaming groups out there that have slowed down or stopped because of COVID or um, just people growing up. It's tough. Yeah, I think kids in the equation makes it difficult. I yeah. I hope you're going to bring the kids along on the on the geek journey uh, when they're old enough to play. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's actually kind of part of that you know the origin story of Die Hard. Um, to be honest, it, they play a little bit in there. We could maybe talk about that in a second, but I I definitely want my kids to grow up with fantastic stories all around them. So I, I, I want to talk about a little bit about how we first met you, Todd, because I think it's a pretty fun story. Um, how, about, how about Griff? Do you want to walk us through this a little bit? Because Die Hard, you guys, you guys reached out to us and then the rest is history. Geez, it was Origins of 2019, as we said a little bit earlier. And, you know, that's a long journey for you guys uh, out in Utah to be coming yeah. to Columbus, Ohio. And I know we had, you know, we, we followed you guys on social media and I was actually probably on my 15th set of metal diehard dice. And I remember it distinctly because <laughs> uh, you guys reached out and you knew we were in Columbus and asked if, if we had any interest in helping you guys out at the, at the booth at Origins. And we were like, yes, a thousand times. Yes, that <laughs> sounds amazing. We would love to. Uh, and we got some of our friends, you know, the whole podcast crew, but some of our friends that are just around that love playing games with us to join. And, uh, you know, those commercials where it's like, I want to be paid in Trident layers. We were blessed to get paid in diehard dice. Uh, and we, we chose to, and it was, uh, it was wonderful. We all fleshed out our dice collections that weekend and had a blast at the diehard booth. It was I remember specifically the one time you and I worked, Steve, and we wore the kilts and the HOP gear. <laughs> That's right. We, we were around the booth all day, regardless of whether we were working. It, but, uh, it, if you catch us at a, at a convention, there's like a 90% chance we're in kilts. Yeah, that's that's very true. I mean, it, those conventions get sweaty. You need, you need a kilt. <laughs> but uh, I think that, you know, the relationship grew from there. We we knew each other and uh, we we were fortunate enough to get to hang out a little bit and hang out a little bit outside of the booths. And uh, it just, I think, and we'll, we'll get into kind of Die Hard's mission statement and stuff, but I think what you guys do really resonated with us as a group. Just meeting you, you were such a kind and generous group and really fun to be around. And we, you know, immediately felt like, hey, this is, you know, if, if we were to, you know, down the line be blessed to have um have partners in the industry these guys are the kind of people that we want to we want to be partners with so the relationship just kind of grew from there and it's been really fun 
Yeah, you you say that uh, we reached out to you, but I kind of think of it the other way. You just didn't realize that your customers, I mean, sorry, your listeners had been buying from us because they heard about us from you and then specifically telling us where they found us. And so we, we were aware of you guys for a while. <laughs> and, and I started listening in like when, when they started bringing you guys up. And to see, like, what what are they saying about us? <laughs> Hopefully good stuff. Yeah, well, it's got to be good if if people are coming here because of it. So, so, yeah, we knew about you guys. And and when it came time for Origins, we just started to look uh, at all the people, all the, you know, podcast groups that... Uh, that might be in the area and i was floored that you guys were actually right there um mm-hmm. it was so fortunate for us because because i mean you were already fans of ours um which i could tell from listening to the podcast and you guys were also cool and therefore your fans were probably pretty cool and it just seemed like a perfect fit that we, if you guys had time, if your fans had time, if your, if, if your community had time, then, then it was, it was a no brainer for us. Cause like you said, it is a pretty big trek to get out there from Utah. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it was, it was perfect and a ton of fun. Yeah. We, we all walked away with some really cool dice and some beautiful memories. Yeah. Yeah, and T-shirts, man, and uh, you know, I still wear that T-shirt all the time. <laughs> I'm ripping die hard when I can. Uh, what is I that? What is that brewery? White Wolf? No. Oh, uh, Wolf's Ridge. Wolf's, yeah, Ridge. Wolf's Ridge. They had some incredible chicken wings. Yeah. Well, really, I guess they were like drumsticks, but yeah, they were old drums yeah. fried up. Um, no, that was a lot of fun, and I hope yeah, to, I hope to get that back there as soon as possible. Uh, we we hope to have you back here as soon as possible. That uh, it, man, that that little meetup we had with with you folks and and some other folks that listened to the show was one of my cherished memories from any one of those conventions. That was such a blast. Yeah, me too. Mm-hmm. All right, as we kind of do, it's a little later than I usually introduce this in in a zone of truth, but you know. We like to talk about what we're getting into. What's keeping us sane? Todd, how about you kick us off, man? What what's what's been keeping you going lately? What have, what have you been interested in? Mm, you know, if you have kids, you kind of have to be interested in what they're interested in. Um, and there's very fair. Not much of a, a way around that. So lately, my kids, uh, we've got three, with the oldest being um, twelve. My kids are right now into Terraria, uh, which is a PC. Well, I mean, it's all over the place, but we play on PC. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if either of you are familiar with Terraria. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yep. played Terraria okay. extensively. I love yeah, that Yeah, and game. I did too. Like, we played it a ton on Xbox. Uh, 360 might have even been. And that was a long time ago, but they just released, like, the final update for it a little bit back, and my kids got back into it. So... Yeah, we've been grinding on that um, at <laughs> night. Have you have you guys ever played Starbound? Yeah. Yeah, right after we finished Terraria the first time, we then jumped into Starbound, which 
it's it's like the perfect fit because it's yeah, sci-fi it's, terraria it kind really of. it really is just like that and it was a lot of fun and the, but that was also five years ago maybe so i need to jump i need to check where that is i'm sure that i'm sure our kids that might be the next thing we jump into <laughs> the next thing we're back yeah, in the cycle yeah that and um we've been playing a little bit of sea of thieves four player Another game that doesn't really tell you how to play it, like Terraria, you just kind of figure it out or watch YouTube for forty hours. Um, that that's that's one good. of those ones that's that's been sitting in my Xbox Game Pass library to get into. I remember that mm. that didn't come out all too long ago, within the yeah. last few ish years. Yeah, it was like a year and a half or something like that. Boy, I I would love playing another pirate game. Yeah, you've played I, I like other pirates. pirate. What other pirate games are there? Assassin's Creed 4 Black Flag, oh, buddy. Okay. Well, Probably not one for the kids. <laughs> I didn't play that one. <laughs> yeah. That's <laughs> Probably not one that, for the kids. You're not. Yeah, you're right. You're spot on there. Like, I have Cyberpunk, but I don't ever get a chance to play. I played like an hour of it because I got kids. And if I'm up late, I probably need to do work. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've heard some things about Cyberpunk. That's one you're I haven't played it myself. Brooks is a huge fan of it, but definitely not one you want to put the, your kids to be seeing. No. Much much so less you can't than even Assassin's make a character Creed. character in that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, even the character creation, even the first seconds are are uh, no bueno for kids. Yeah. Mhm. Yep. Absolutely. Uh how about you Griff? What you been getting into lately? Man, there is this band that I've been listening to since last Friday called Bog Wizard, and they're absolutely phenomenal. And I got to shout them out to the to the community because they're a small band. They're out of Michigan, but they play doom metal, and all of their stuff is D and D based. Like their latest album has, um, like the third song on the album is called is just called the Tarasque. And it's it's insanely cool, and they're really nice people. I've been reaching out to them on social media. They, I actually got a uh, care package from them, and they sent me a painted Bog Wizard mini. They 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 had gotten a Hero Forge mini, and they painted it. So I I'm gonna use it in a one shot. It's 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 really sick. And they sent me a set of dice and some of their merch and stuff. And they're just genuinely really cool folks. So I highly recommend. Uh, checking them out and then beyond I that i can't believe you didn't tell me about that care package dude. I, That's I literally awesome. just got it in the mail today i'll show it to you the next time you're you're around mm-hmm. it's uh and it's got like such a such a genuinely heartfelt note i just they're i'm over the moon with i already really enjoyed their music but they just seem like the nicest people when when you have several albums based off of like your D campaigns and stuff it's it's just cool i love that kind of stuff it's really fun to listen to um, and it's really good. If you, if you like doom metal, you're going to enjoy them, but that's been my, that was kind of my golden ticket, uh, golden nugget of things I've found that I don't think folks are, are going to have heard of unless, unless they like saw my tweet on Friday. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, beyond that, I've, I actually got, it's in the mail and I'm really excited for it. I got a, um, one of those like raspberry Pi emulator um like Mm -hmm. it's kind of like a game boy but it's more advanced and it has like a bunch of emulators on it so you can get all of the 
uh, older games on it, and I'm really excited to start uh, playing. Uh, our, our community's kind of been talking about this uh, Pokemon Omega or something, uh, <laughs> or Pokemon Unbound, and I really want to play that ROM hack. It sounds like it's uh, going to be super difficult, and I'm going to sink my entire President's Day weekend into it, probably. That's a, that's a good plan, man. That sounds great. As for myself, what have I been doing? Um, I've been playing a little Gears Tactics, um, which is like basically. I've I've wanted to get into it, honest. Like, I like tactics games. So, Mm -hmm. Todd, Todd, it's a lot of fun, man. It it feels a little bit to me kind of like a like a D and D or Pathfinder combat in that like you kind of have initiative people have classes you can skill tree them out and then everything is has like a very rigid action economy which is one of the things that i like about pathfinder combat is you got to be strategic about how that kind of stuff works and i think they do a really good job of um translating the gears of war games into a tactics game like um, one of the really big things, uh, again, probably not something that you want your kids to see, but one of the really big things in Gears of War is that you have like the chainsaw bayonet on your on your assault rifle, and then you have like a bunch of fancy executions with each weapon. Well, if one of your character, like if you down one of your opponents, and then one of your characters does like these fancy executions on them, then it's your the rest of your squad gets like an additional action that round oh, like a morale so, bonus or something like that yeah so they take small things like that from the game and then translate it into a tactical shooter which is really cool and they did a good job besides that i've been watching kim's convenience which is a great little uh half hour comedy that Haley got me into um really enjoy that show it's just fun to watch i've heard of it yeah, it's uh it's a little Korean convenience store yeah. in Canada and it uh I haven't watched I just finished season 1 today. I haven't watched an episode that hasn't made me like laugh out loud in my apartment by myself. It's it's been really good. It's been a, it's been a good time. Um and finally, I've just been still cruising through these Netflix document like murder documentary series. I just finished one uh, called the confession killer, which is a story that I've never heard before, but it's a story. I think it takes place in the eighties. This guy killed his mom and he killed his girlfriend and he's about to go to, he's on the stand. He's getting tried for the murder and they sentence him to jail. And he says, okay, judge, well, what about the other 100 women I've killed? And everyone's like, Whoa, what are you talking about? And so after that, he gets turned over to the Texas range because it takes place in Texas. He gets turned over to the Texas Rangers. And over the next several years, he admits to 600 different murders. Uh, again, a story I've never heard before. So I'm like, who the hell is this guy? He was somebody. I, I don't want to spoil the whole thing, but clearly if somebody killed 600 people, all of us on the on this call would know about him. Okay. Basically, okay. basically, it it was this giant law like very corrupt law enforcement scandal to clear cases, uh, or basically to take advantage of somebody who's kind of mentally handicapped and 
uh, and admitted oh. and would just admit to anything. So they would clear cases. Oh, um, that's nuts. Yeah, it, wow. it was a, a it was wild um, to this. It, I just finished it today and um, he's been convicted for 200 murders or something. And already in 20 of them, they've found that uh, there's no possible way he could have done this. Um, so it's it, it's a really, really wild story. And I would encourage people to check it out because it was something I had never heard of, but apparently was a really, really big deal. Uh, and, and just a crazy story. Um, so on that note, <laughs> good luck making a segue from that, Steve. Oh boy. Um, just like, fuck, I don't know. I can't transition out of that. Todd, tell me about how Die Hard started. Man. Hey, let me pull my jaw off the floor and like literally push my eyeballs back in my head. Um, Real quick, though, those are both Netflix, right? Kim's Convenience? Correct, yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> so, so Die Hard dies. <laughs> but I really set you up for failure on that one. I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Um, no, this will help me, like, not choke up and get emotional. <laughs> uh, All right. It's good. Um, yeah, so... Die Hard Dice, I have never had ambition to become a manager, let alone an owner of a company. So this is, us being where we are today is absolutely nonsensical when I think about it. But through a string of events, which started five years ago, I somehow ended up with a company and and employees that are family and customers that are family as well. I guess five years ago, I was looking for a side project. So I always had side projects. Um, Although I hadn't been doing role playing, I hadn't been in the community, hadn't been doing tabletop wargaming for a long time. I was still kind of, you know, into video games. And the dream at that point was to get into making video games and doing first it was doing art for video games and then it was to do 3d modeling for video games and i did an internship for that um at a game studio and and then it was okay so our team keeps like abandoning the project so now i got to learn how to program so then it was programming to figure out how to create a video game and i i made a small mobile app a mobile game i got like 300 bucks in ad revenue and I was like looking for another thing to do because I always just had side projects, stuff that I found interesting or fun and ways to be creative. And I just stumbled upon this set of metal dice online one night and like my whole world just kind of shifted because they were the most beautiful thing I'd ever seen. They were familiar and also exotic. They had this like finish that that diffused light across them in this like smooth, be- just gorgeous way that I had not seen anything like it. And it instantly like opened a floodgate of nostalgia from my childhood. And 
I had this sense of wonder that I can't, I still can't really explain. And it made me want those dice. And once I had those dice, inexplicably, I wanted to get them in the hands of other people. Even though I hadn't played a game for 15 years, they just sparked this thing in my life that was the catalyst for a whole host of other changes that came afterward. You know, my wife and I, even though she had never played a game of D&D or any role-playing game at all, we both, like, got addicted to painting minis and um, collecting minis. And then it was starting to, like, realize my kids were, at that point, way too young to do any kind of role-playing. But what we could do is build some boffers and do some LARPing in the in the front yard and like tell some stories that way and kill some monsters. You know, me taking on the role of the monster, whatever it was in their encounter. And then just, it just kind of grew from there. Uh, oh, and that's where I started to listen to RPG podcasts and uh, things like the Adventure Zone and uh, which was just a kicking off around that time and uh, and a number of other ones it just things just spiraled and somehow ended up with me wanting to start a company to kind of bring that sense of wonder that had become such an important part in my life again to other people um, and this was a point in time when metal dice were not common. I mean, you can get them anywhere now, but at that point you had to kind of know how to find them online or go to Chinese websites or Alibaba and piece together and some process that, and like quadruple check that you're not going to get scammed. And so it was kind of complex. So there were a couple players out there that were doing metal dice, but still I, I, felt compelled to do it. So, you know, we, I somehow convinced my wife that it was a rational thing, rational idea to spend our savings on 1,300 sets of metal dice and start an online business. I think almost uh, feel the dreams like, assuming that, that the people would come. And at first they didn't. <laughs> Uh, which is not a surprise, but we try to do some things different. I was trying to do some things different, some things that paid off, like really, really paying attention to the customers and trying to trying to engage with them, trying to let them know that I realize they're an actual person, not just a number. And it resulted in like a, a Reddit post that that someone who was really happy with the experience made that just just catapulted us into that's exactly how i found <laughs> was it really <laughs> yep mm-hmm. oh that's yep. awesome a reddit post like three years ago yeah yeah because it was it was exactly what you're saying it was like these guys are so like they they wrote me a note and like they I you know they sent me like an extra like d6 that goes with my set and like it was amazing and da 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 you know I remember when 
on Reddit, people used to start posting, you guys, you guys would give like the bit of gold or whatever uh, back in the day that was like yeah, the, the gold polymer Reddit set. Reddit gold. And yeah. and yeah, Reddit gold. And, uh, and that took off on a lot of the TTRPG communities. So I just... I, that's a that's a fun callback. Oh, I remember that's, that's exactly how I found you guys. I love that. <laughs> didn't I didn't know that part. That's so cool. But yeah, that was like that was the very start of things and it went two and a half years of that like and it was just me and my wife and we were doing it uh, at night fulfilling orders, doing customer service. And then, you know, after two and a half years like it was getting really hard to keep doing it and my day job. And I mean, Jess, Jessie, my wife, was doing homeschooling at the time and fulfillment. And I was doing my day job and then the customer service and fulfillment at night. It came to a point where we had to decide, do we take another step off this cliff into who knows what and and hope it works out or or i mean I, the only other option is that we stop this dice thing but that dice thing was so more so much more fulfilling than working my project management job at a software company and it would it would actually hurt me to go to my real job like it was it was painful to have to do that knowing that i had this other thing that was so much fun so we did it like at two and a half years ago we 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 uh quit my job and got a, a very small little warehouse that was like 1200 square feet and made our brought in our first employee which happened to be my gm from my childhood. That's awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. So he's uh he's like or you know, he and I handle all the design right now. But at the time he was doing customer service cuz the two of us came from the same company actually. He followed me to the company I was at and that company was like super into customer service. They really got it. So and that's part of where, how I got to who, where I am, who I am, and how the company evolved into what it is. But I knew I could trust that customer service chunk to him because he had lived that same like awesome experience when we were doing customer service together at that company. But yeah, so and, and yeah, five years from its start, two and a half years since we, you know, took that leap. We've moved warehouses two more times since then, and have you know about 20 employees and and live in the improbable dream <laughs> well that's so that's cool, awesome man. that's crazy growth too i mean just to think about in in such a you know the stepping off point from there to that many employees that many warehouse shifts you know it's yeah it's huge it really is nuts. Like all of it is nuts. I can't, I, I don't know. There are no English words to describe how improbable <laughs> and crazy this all feels and how good it feels. 
Well, that's awesome, man. That I mean, you are living the American dream, doing what you love, being being very successful with it. There, there are a couple couple different companies that do have have a similar business as you do. What, what makes Die Hard different? I know earlier you mentioned that personalization and really caring about the customer. Um, you want to talk about that for a second? Yeah, one of the very first things that I did, which. I mean, it wasn't like as intentional as it might seem, but ended up being the most, I think the most important thing, like single one thing we did is that on when you place an order, we ask, we tell you, we'll give you a freebie if you just tell us, you know, how you found us or what you're going to do with these dice. Mm-hmm. And okay, here's the truth. We're going to give you a freebie anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't tell him that. that don't tell him that you, we can cut that out um, <laughs> but like when someone takes energy or like I'm not trying to get metaphysical here but when they take time out of their life that they can't get back and they invest it in something that means something to me and mm-hmm. even if it's spending 30 seconds to tell me something or tell me a little bit about the campaign they're in or some of our customers clearly spend maybe a half hour writing and rewriting and coming up with the right way to describe this concept or this thing they want to tell us about. That's incredible. Like, so basically like if someone's willing to give me part of their life by giving me some of their time I have to return that so we put this you know whatever effort we we can to try to match at least what what they've done in describing or telling or explaining or just kind of talking some people I mean there's so many reasons people buy dice you know they they could have a cool character they're rolling they could have just gone through a divorce and they're looking for some retail therapy or they you, you know we get all sorts of comments and and I I love that like being able to connect with some random dice company what may seem like a brief interaction to them being able to connect with someone that's that's the point like there's tons of companies out there but we want to be sure people know that they're not a number to us and that we actually do care about them and what's going on in their lives. Because not everybody is getting that from those around them. And it sounds a little weird that it is a rando guy or a rando girl at a dice com- rando dice company that's doing that but sometimes that's all someone has and I think it really really matters I've made a lot of diehard dice purchases in my day and that's one thing I always save the um, the handwritten note you guys send because I just think that's kind of the coolest part of it is that whatever I wrote in the comment box you guys like take the time not only to read it, but to like respond to it. And lately you've had, I don't know who over there does the like really cool script writing, (laughs) (laughs) but like 
that uh you know that's just another touch that's just like really cool to get but i think that's what kept me coming back as a customer really was the not necessarily the you know free polymer set or whatever whatever gets shipped in with the order but the fact that it was like if you send something that like to your point you spend time writing you get a response that clearly they read it and like you know cared about what you had to say it's really cool yeah i i just want to add so um i recently purchased a, a dice set from you guys todd um, <laughs> yeah i i saw the the bright pink sparkly dice with black numbers and uh ah, yeah. on there, and, and you know i gotta own that um <laughs> So of course I picked it up and there's a difference between getting a, a handwritten note and getting a handwritten note that like the one I got the, um, the individual who signed it. Um, Cause I think they're called the Aphrodite set or yep. something. Yeah. The, the dice. She drew three little hearts in the, in the note, but those three little hearts were, were each written in a different, like in a different color of gel, uh, gel pen ink. Like, that's a that's a very very small detail, but it plays into exactly what you were saying earlier about taking the time. And if if I'm gonna spend my time and effort and dollars on on your product and and share an experience with you, someone sat down and instead of drawing three hearts, they drew a heart, uncapped a new pen, draw a second heart, uncapped a new pen, and draw a third one. Like that is a very very small detail. But that kind of stuff gets noticed by people, whether it's it's subconscious or not. I, I it was it's a small thing, but I thought it was kind of cool. That makes that me somebody- so happy to hear. Like, because <laughs> it's been a long time since I've been in the trenches doing the notes myself. I love my mm-hmm. I love our employees. I'm so happy to hear that that yep, those little things are still like sticking out. Um. That's what we're shooting for. So uh, let's let's talk a little bit about the different types of products you guys have for sale. So you guys have a, a fantastic selection of metal dice, uh, an extensive and awesome uh, selection of polymers, and then a couple different really, really cool accessories. Are, are there any cool diehard exclusives in any of those categories? Anything that you in particular love just... Um, that really stand out to you as a cool product you can deliver to other folks? Yeah. Um, so the journey from five years ago to now has been, it's come with a lot of uh, leveling up of my own skills and those of our team members. You know, when we started, it was all stock metal dice. So like I said, I saw a set of dice and I bought them in bulk and resold them, which is kind of how most of the industry works when it comes to metal dice sure and after just a little bit of that i realized oh man this d6 sure sucks like what's why is it always like got these weird marks on it and stuff over time i i just realized that i gotta change this stuff up like i can't just keep selling stock stuff and i mean i'm able to connect with people and that means something but i've got to find some other ways to keep ahead and so I went looking for dice designers that I might be able to commission to help me come up with new designs. No one bit. So kind of in the same mentality that I had when I was like, all right, let's make a video game. It was just like, all right, let's learn how to do CAD. And 
like, uh, luckily, like, a, a, there's a good chunk of my 3D modeling experience from the video game days that translated. Um, not all of it, but enough to kind of get me started. And so I started doing my own designs. And, you know, we redesigned the D6 and we re redesigned the D20. And then we started, I started messing around with full sets. And my first attempts were, looking back, terrible. But they were still better than what we had. So I had the goal of eventually getting to only selling our own designs. And uh, in metal, we're there now. We've been there for a while. And so there are a lot of exclusive, well, all our metal is exclusive right now. It's all stuff. I mean, there is occasionally we'll do like, we have a bunch of stock stuff from the just pieces from leftover from years. So we'll, we will sell that like at a discount and stuff, but any of the main stuff on our website that's not being sold at a discount is all stuff that me and my team have designed. And then on top of that stuff that my wife has designed, because originally she, she was helping with fulfillment, a little bit of customer service, but she's a creative person and she wanted to work on designing colors for dice. And uh, that evolved into really wonderful things. She created the gemstone effect on metal dice, which completely changed the trajectory of metal dice and uh, the metal dice industry. But it's hard to keep a lot of things. Well, one, it's impossible to keep everything secret because you're going to sell it at some point, and not everything is patentable without five years of work to get like a utility patent on this exact technique. So, you know, it, it became, it got, we went everywhere, but it's okay. We know we're on a treadmill and we just got to keep running. And Jesse has been doing that. Um, like the pink that you have, like it's uh -huh. the Aphrodite set was, is hers. And almost every single thing we sell now is uh, with the exception of stock polymer dice, is stuff that she's done in R&D. So we do have a lot of exclusives, and we do a lot of our, we, we do our prototyping and we do our R&D in-house. So a lot of the accessories that you're talking about, um, the snap trays, now the magnet trays we've transitioned to, those are all things that we actually did. We were the first to do those things. Not that I can take credit for the shape of the snap tray it was in existence as a totally different product in a totally totally different industry but i saw it and i was like that is a dice tray who's why is nobody making roll dice in that yeah, thing that, let's go yeah <laughs> i guess your filter changes at some point everything i look through dice lens now so the same thing is with the scroll of rolling that rolls out and holds dice and kind of mm -hmm. rolls out and you yep. roll on it that scroll originally was a mahjong set, and but you know almost nobody had it, and it would have kept the tile. Yeah, exactly. The, and, it had, and it had and it had like you know sewn into it. It had the the spike shapes for mahjong or whatever those things are. But of course, my dice filter. I saw it and I was like, "That is a dice scroll. That is a scroll mm -hmm. that holds dice. <laughs> 
Who's, why is nobody doing this? Um, yeah, it's a, like a scroll. You couldn't slot yes. that easier into like a D&D world. Yeah, you know? yeah. But then the nerds the, lead it up. The dual scroll. I don't know if you've seen that one. That one was a hundred percent like in-house R and D. You know, we we worked on the magnet one also. Not a huge leap conceptually, but we, it was all in-house. So yeah, we've got a lot of accessories. The, the things I love, like you asked, what I love of my stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, my favorite thing is the is a dark iron. Mythica set. So it just kind of looks worn and and real mm-hmm. dark, no paint on it. That is my set. Like when I play when I when I play almost regardless of character, I play with that set. I don't know, it just speaks to me. Um I th- I think I have that. If and, and if I don't, I have a similar set uh that 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 you folks offer and and you're right. It's it's very versatile between characters cuz it's just like big iron looking dice yeah yeah that's my favorite so you've talked a lot about the r&d stuff and that makes me want to bring up another story uh that we have with you guys because i i remember we were both at gen con Mm -hmm. uh and and we were both floating around a little bit and bumped into each other and I can't remember being more excited than when you guys kind of took us into a side room there and you were like, check out all our prototype stuff. We brought a sack of it and you kind of spilled it out on the table. And Steve and I were sitting there with like drool coming out of our mouths because we saw some of the stuff you were working on and it was crazy cool. But it was so cool to see the... um, like the the paintless dice, like where you were going with kind of the borders and mm-hmm. stuff that were going to be future, mm-hmm. uh, future colors that uh, didn't have any paint on them yet. And I was like, oh, these are sick. Or I think we saw we saw one of one of the um, I can't remember the name of the set, but the it it kind of has ones. like it's no, it's a color shift kind of purpley black, oh, yeah. and it's a metal set, and it doesn't have any paint. Yeah. It's it's just the borders, and uh, I think we saw that set. And when you released it, I was like, "I I know that set. I saw that set at Gen Con. I saw that before. That it was getting that alive. set. <laughs> yeah, before it was before on the was on the website. Yeah, that was the first time I saw the single D six that will eventually become the Aphrodite set. And I was like, "I'm gonna own that whenever <laughs> they release it. it comes out. Oh. And then a year and a half later, yeah, I finally that got was it. a long. Oh my god. Todd, I've been waiting. Oh man, waiting. if I had known, came true. if I had known, I could have given you that over a year ago. <laughs> Come on, man. I didn't know. We actually <laughs> yeah. see this is what you get for keeping your mouth we shut. We had that set, but we missed Valentine's Day by like a couple oh. weeks, and so we're like, oh, okay, no. we'll launch it in two months, and it just you know kept kicking it down the road until it was like. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like October and we're like, yeah, it's going to be another Valentine's set. We're just going to wait it out. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Wow. I can't believe it. Yeah, I saw it. And because you said they were prototypes, I'm like, well, they'll be coming soon. I'll just wait. <laughs> well, they would have so. they would have come pretty soon, uh, like at least like <laughs> just six months later. Uh, he was even talking about it later. He was like, that one had paint in it. It's definitely su- it's coming out soon. <laughs> 
It's got to be. Some of the other ones didn't have paint. That one had paint on it. Oh, man. I feel terrible. That's hilarious. Stop. No, 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 no. The only person who should feel bad, if anybody, would be myself for not speaking up because... uh, you gotta speak up to get what you want. Oh man! But uh, yeah, that's that's that fucking rock. That's so. funny. <laughs> Todd, we talked a little bit about like some of the personalization stuff you do with Die Hard that really makes people feel good. But there's something that I wanted to bring up very specifically. I was cruising around on your website, and I saw that it looks like you folks have a partnership with Heartbeat Dice. Um, a a, 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 a chariot initiative with all proceeds going to the Trevor Project. Now, Trevor Project is a is a charity that I'm a little familiar with, but I thought this would be something really cool cool to highlight because they have a great mission. So, you, can, you, can you tell us a little bit about um, that that partnership and what you folks are doing? Yeah, Trevor Project um, is a suicide prevention um, like hotline, and also provide other services for people to to train in the effort of suicide prevention of LGBTQ youth specifically. Mm -hmm. This is a part, a key part of the company, in our opinion. My wife, Jessie, is, I like to say, like the kind of the soul of the company, the moral compass of the company. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was her that kind of brought this to, you know, our attention and, and kicked things off with this. We've perpetually had those sets online. Um, Heartbeat Dice is another dice company unaffiliated with us, except that we buy their dice. And there's a set or a, a style that isn't actually our own design, but we sell them and all the, all, you know, all the profit just goes to, to the Trevor Project. Uh, there's a couple other things on our website that are like that also. We have a set a line of stickers that mm-hmm. um, are all of the flags from the different parts of the LGBTQ community. And right now it's it's our logo, but with the flag colors gradienting through them. And that's something that all the profit goes to Trevor Project. And then every, you know, every June we, we do a additional things for, for for pride month with at least a good chunk of the profit going to Trevor project or also um, other there's a couple other um, charities that we like to you know support as well specifically dealing with children and school um, education mm-hmm. educating teachers most notably glisten glisten's another charity that we like to support this is something that means a lot to us. Um, some of our own employees are members of the community. Members sure. of our family are members of the community. And especially here in Utah, there's a much higher rate of suicide among LGBTQ youth mm-hmm. due to a number of factors. It's something we take very seriously and something we feel like we have this improbable weird ass platform why not use it for something good it's something that matters a lot to us personally and so we we keep that going and we're always looking for charities that other charities um whatever they may be that that need a signal boost or actual money and try to find ways to 
to channel our efforts into those. You look like you're about to say something, Griff, so I, I stopped. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say how awesome that is. I think yeah. it's, um, I mean, it kind of goes hand in hand with how much you guys show care towards your customers uh, to show care towards things that your customers care about and that you personally care about is admirable for, you know, for you guys to do. Um, so I, you know, I'm always really pleased when I see that kind of stuff on your site, but I, I never don't expect it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very fair. Uh, just it, it's, it's really cool. We're all glad that you do it. And, uh, I, I just thought it was worth bringing up because uh, yeah, absolutely. Just, just, just like you guys, like I, I couldn't put it better than you, Griff. It just you care for your customers, but you also care about what your customers care about, and and are making a difference, not just moving some metal rocks. Mm-hmm. Making a difference. All right, I had a couple more things I wanted to get into uh, before we started moving into uh, answering some listener questions here. First and foremost is that. Uh, here at the HLP, we're part of the Dice Affiliate Program. I know that there are some other uh, folks in the TTRPG uh, content creator space who are listening right now who may not be familiar with the program, but may be interested. Or um, I think I think it's just a cool program. So, Todd, c- could you walk us through what being a Dice Affiliate means and uh, and how it works? And maybe if there are other folks out there who are interested in becoming one, how they can become one. Yeah. So Dicefilly, it's a, essentially, I mean, as one might assume, it, it's an affiliate program. This is another part that is really all about Jesse, my wife. So, I mean, along with the charity stuff and supporting other charities, you know, not just LGBTQ-focused charities, I guess Jesse has always seen our growth through the lens of you know, how can we help other people? Um, mm-hmm. We've been really lucky and have been, you know, ended up in a position where we have some sort of platform. What can we do with it that that leaves the community better than we found it? Dice Affiliates specifically is set up to try to amplify the voices of those in the community that may, if not given more support, be drowned out or fall away. It's always been the goal to find people who need support and and get that to them, whether that is, you know, signal boosting them or giving financial aid to them. Um, There's a lot of people in our community that that are struggling to, to build something beautiful that just keep encountering roadblocks. So a lot of affiliate programs are set up specifically to help the company, like you're shilling for a company, and in return they give you some money. But we we wanted to try, Jesse really wanted to try to build something that was focused instead on finding those people and those voices that needed to be heard that we could help while making it sustainable for everybody. So, I mean, we, so although we may have one or two people in the program that might have more followers than us, it's not common. What we're targeting is people who are up and coming and could use additional help that 
for whatever reason, we've been able to grow our own followers to the point that it that it's now a viable way to try to help other people. So that's the goal of the Dice Filiate program. It doesn't necessarily have to be like strictly RPG related. It could, like we have, we're working with people, we're talking with people who are in all areas of role-playing or cosplay or, you know, the broader community that we're all a part of. So many of these people like have important things to say and they just need people to even know they, they know what they're doing and and uh, if if necessary, have the money to to start to build their own brands and, you know, expand their own influence. Um, if anyone wants to be, wants to see if there's something we can do to help them or if it's a collaboration that could work out, you can go to dieharddice.com slash affiliate and it will redirect to the Dice Affiliates landing page. We are accepting kind of in chunks and, and making sure we stagger it so that we are able to keep up with the demand. But by all means, anyone, yeah, if you've got if you've got something to say or you're doing something cool, um, reach out and we'll see if we'll see if there's anything that we can do to help. Great. Yeah, much appreciated. We've really enjoyed our partnership in this affiliate program and uh, um, just just wanted to say one, thank you, and two, uh, yeah. If 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 you're out there looking for a partner, Die Hard Dice is a great partner. Well, yeah, and you know, you didn't have to do it. It was too kind. We were we were gonna keep shouting you out anyway, but uh, <laughs> yeah, we pre- we certainly appreciate it. I think at some point <laughs> uh, the scales had tipped, and we we had to act. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know what? Um, before we move into our listener question segment, I, I just got one question for you, uh, Todd. Hmm. What, what's the future of Die Hard Dice? Got any new exciting releases? Anything we should watch for? Anything you can share with us right now to get people excited? Mm, yeah, we've got some stuff we're cooking up. This next year, is there's going to be a lot of polymer stuff. A lot of new okay. stuff. Not just materials that we're working with. like uh, Not just new colors, but some new stuff that's coming. Um and uh, something we've we've kind of teased indirectly in, through a stream that we were a part of not too long ago is uh, a lot of dice you may not know are UV reactive. So look, be watching for a really cool accessory we got coming out uh, to help those who, who like to play in dim lighting. I have a small idea of where this is going. And I, if I if I'm right, I'm gonna be very hyped for what. It yeah. Is. So accessory and also paired dice selections, new new stuff, not just like from our back catalog. So we've got we've got a bit there. We got plenty more coming from the partnership we have with Corvus Belly, who who does the Infinity tabletop game, a, a sci-fi, slightly kind of cyberpunk esque feel game we've only launched three of the faction dice for them and uh, we've got another five more coming and look 
to Halloween. No, it's our favorite time of the year. I know. No, it's our favorite time. You guys are going to... Oh, now you got me, now you got me all excited. I think you're going to enjoy yeah. what we have coming for Halloween. We've got a lot of cool stuff. I'm going to be refreshing my browser for the next eight <laughs> months, man. <laughs> yeah, we love Halloween. Like, Good. epically. So... So yeah, keep an eye out for that. Yeah, we'll we'll probably be launching new stuff almost every week through the year because that's the treadmill we're on. Well, there goes hey. Griffin's paycheck. Yep. Later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, one of these days, I'm going to take a picture and send it to you, Todd, of the um, the two sections of a bookcase that I have filled with diehard dice tins. <laughs> Sounds like what we need it's, to do. It's truly books. It's truly like a hoarder situation. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah. I mean, like I, I put it behind my books so that nobody can see it, but I, you know, it's just, it's towers. There's towers. What I'm hearing is we need a dice storage solution. <laughs> yes. That's exactly what you need. You heard it here first. That's right. <laughs> All right, folks. Well, it's about that time in the program. Let's hop into a little listener question segment. So our first one comes from user on our Discord, Monkeys, Bears, and Robots. I believe that is the GM for the Pot Against the Machine podcast. Cool new uh, Iron God show. Check them out, folks. Um, But his question is, what's the secret code for the website to order dice that only roll 20s? Okay, well, it's not a secret code. But you have to, in the notes when you place your order, mm-hmm. ask for our cleric, our resident cleric, to bless the dice, and see what happens. Oh. Folks, yeah, take advantage of that. I uh, probably should have done that when I ordered the Aphrodite die. No, um, yeah, Steve, I don't know why you never do that. It's, it comes in so much <laughs> handy. Why, why? Why do you think I have so many sets from there? They're just all blessed. That's what I, sh- I, I guess I'll just order another set. Who knows? Um, all right. Next question comes from 10 Lawn Gnomes. He's our good buddy. You know him as Eric. And this is a really good question. I, I like this one a lot. Todd, how do you decide on the names and themes of the dice? Do you have any go-to sources for inspiration? Mm, that's such a good question. Um, so, okay. So dice naming is the period worst period part of dice creation. Oh my God. Just send me pictures. I'll do it for free for you. That's like my favorite thing to do. I, I kid you not like figuring out names for stupid. Like, Oh, I, I do it all the time. I do it all the time. Just send me a picture. I promise you. Uh, send me a picture of what, what like, is this in the mythical line or whatever? And I'll, I'll be like, Griff just wants the inside track. I just want the inside Pretty track. Much, yeah. And what I'll provide for that is names for the dice. Uh, Man, like, okay, so um, we've had to evolve over time on this part because originally it was largely my wife, Jessie, who would do the dice naming um, and me to a lesser amount. Oh, God, I can only think of the Japanese word for it. I I defer. I defer to her uh, on a lot of this stuff. Um, And... She, she, so, okay, so, so inspirations, monster manual and spell books. Oh, sure. Like, yeah. Uh, that's the, that that's the first step every single time. 
you gotta like and of course being careful about which names are actually created by whatever brand or property you gotta cover your butt there um but uh beyond i mean we've had to expand into a lot of interesting directions um right now we're in the middle of launching sets that are based on moons so we've been digging digging into astronomy in our solar system and, and beyond to to find cool names for for moons but it is tricky because you got to find something that is unique so that it's searchable but not too hard to spell sometimes we drop the ball on that <laughs> one because sometimes it just like there's no other name that everyone can okay not everyone that like three people can agree on it used to be everyone and that was chaos um and <laughs> resulted in a, we're gonna need a unanimous vote oh, on this it name. <laughs> resulted in in the early days a lot of hurt feelings because when someone comes up with a name that's perfect in their mind um it's really hard to let go of but there's a lot of things to consider like when we name episodes <laughs> i bet there's gotta be some usually i win those Hey, I, I've, I've been getting a lot of them lately. I've been getting a lot of good ones lately. Mm. You've got to look at a lot of things, though, like the actual color, the the line of dice that they're in, the like um, the emotion that that set evokes, um, how light plays on the die. And there's just so much that goes into dice naming. I wish I had like a, an actual answer for this question because it's so good. Mm-hmm. But it's hard as hell to 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 get a good name for a dice set we do our best and sometimes that means that the dice has a name 20 minutes before it goes public (laughs) (laughs) well hey they work i haven't seen one yet that i've thought well that doesn't make any sense (laughs) so so it's been good our uh, our next round of questions we got two from her uh they come from tilda First one, do you have any style or color or material preferences? So I think we talked a little earlier. There's a specific metal set that, that you really gravitate towards. Is there anything else that, that you really gravitate towards when you come to uh, using dice or, or, or what you think is going to sell well or, or whatever? Oh, those are two different things for sure, because I'm all into the dark dice. Um, uh-huh. Dark all the way. Uh, not just pure black, but like we've got some cool... like. One of my favorite sets ever is a polymer set called Dreamwalker, which kind of, at the time of its launch, it set the dice internet uh, Facebook groups ablaze because it is so good. Um, but you got to have good lighting because it, it's got. Is mm-hmm. that the yeah, that the black with but it's the, got the uh, shimmer, shimmer in that it goes from yeah. maroon to purple to. Like mm-hmm. uh, it's just kind of mind blowing the kind of colors that you can get out of that set. The material for that set of dice is uh, crazy expensive. Like yeah, I'm looking at these right now and they rock. Like po- possibly more expensive. I don't know the going rate of a kilo of cocaine, but it's probably in that range. <laughs> um, so I, I really love the dark stuff, but the stuff that sells purples. Purples and uh, blues and greens, like those all sell so good. Uh, like they're really good comparatively. Yellows are hard to sell. 
Yellow's a hard color to nail without it uh, shifting brown or, uh, I don't know, just being too pastel. Yeah. But so yellow is a really difficult one. And, and on top of that, like, sorry, I'm like somehow straying into color theory, but um, no, I'm into this. this like is cool. what Jesse has to do when we're doing, especially if we're talking about metal dice, actually polymers just as complicated. But when you're talking about metal dice, you've got to take the underlying, like the actual plating color into consideration, because if the material has any level of translucency, if it's not opaque, then you're combining one or more or many colors, depending on, you know, if you've got some color shifting powders and stuff going on in there. So something that would normally look blue on a silver set, when you put it on gold, suddenly it looks green. That's one of the most impressive things that I've seen lately from you guys was the, um, well, I have two examples of this where you guys really nailed the color even though it's being seen through multiple things the the leprechaun oh. dice which are the you have the full rainbow spectrum behind the gold and you guys have kind of done the caged polymers i thought that was really impressive like you only really see the full rainbow when you hold it up but it's like oh, really vivid when you the, do the untamed sets those ones yeah yeah mm-hmm. so that's a really fun one um because it's because it's uh it's got a recessed face like our mm-hmm. metal stuff so it, it adds a whole nother dimension to like stuff you can do with color combinations yeah that's a really good point like yeah. that those sets especially when you're doing it on translucent colors and beyond that layered translucent colors like it gets <laughs> right. pretty crazy um so i mean going back to cool stuff we're doing this year keep your eye out we've got a totally new like a version come of that concept coming. Yeah. Dice, dice colors are tough for me. Dark though, um, dark things Mm -hmm. and blues and purples and greens, some reds, like those ones sell really good. Um, those are the most popular, I guess I could say. Straying away from the, you know, just kind of building off that for a second. Do you know why that might be? Is it just that like TTRPG players in general, like those colors i know there are just some like weird rules about colors in the world that uh, that don't seem logical like you never see a woman on a magazine wearing a green dress mm. like it just doesn't happen because that magazine doesn't sell well mm. and people don't really know why um is it just something like that where this specific type of person that likes your dice also likes these kinds of colors or you know, you see people that build characters that resonate with cool colors because they're, uh, I don't know, chill. I, yeah. I, I just don't know if you have any more insight than I do. And I'd, I'd love to pick your brain about it. I wish I did. That is fascinating. I have a theory. <laughs> like, I have no. a theory from the colors yeah. you mentioned. Uh, I think, you know, especially with the 5e community, if it's, um, if it's people picking sets for their characters, that sounds like a lot of popular tiefling mm. colors. Mm. And it's really hard in the um, in the dice purchasing uh, community. It's really hard to find a good purple. Um, a, a lot of, a lot, especially a lot of polymer sets, don't really pull off purple well, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. 
And so I think I think finding a really nice purple, especially if you're if you're the kind of person that like you know has their which have like come into popularity like the blue or the purple tiefling, I think that might it's just my theory, but I think that might be uh, that might lend some popularity to the to those colors yeah, in particular. That could be. Like, and you're absolutely right. Purple's a hard one to do because a lot of the times, especially in polymer, it ends up kind of looking lavender. Um, mm-hmm. um, shifts towards pink, purple. Um, it is a hard one to, to get right. It is really fascinating. I don't, I don't know exactly why, but like we can pretty clearly say which colors are most popular. Um, brown. Brown, brown, yeah, brown, orange, yellow, or those are kind of on the lower side as far as like popularity. Mm-hmm. Though I have heard that one game store, uh, one retail customer, game store owner, has one customer that comes in frequently asking for the brown dice. Um, and we have something cool brown coming also. <laughs> so keep your eye for that. <laughs> Hell yeah. I, Brown I, dice fans, the few but mighty. Yeah. I, <laughs> Look to the horizon. I, I also wonder if it's just that generally TT, uh, TTRPG characters are either neutral or good, and that aligns better with a cool color palette than a hot color palette or a warm color palette. So you might not see as many reds and yellows and oranges because people are playing characters that aren't like aggressive and mean and mm-hmm. bright and bold and they're but they're playing mm-hmm. characters who are good and like, I again I don't know what the fuck I'm no, talking I, about but it's all uh, conjecture I, but no, I, love it. I think that makes it's sense good conjecture I think um when it comes to reds and oranges like really the time we see those selling well is when people are playing characters that use fire magic um yep there you go but, yeah uh outside of that it's just not as popular Huh. Well, go figure. All right. Next question. Uh, pivoting a little bit. This is this is also from Tilda. What is the ugliest dice set you've ever seen? Mm-hmm. This doesn't have to be one of your sets, Todd. This and you don't okay. have to name drop any company or whatever. Okay. It could be something you've seen on Twitter <laughs> or on Instagram. Um. Look. Um. All dice are beautiful. Uh. But. <laughs> There's some that weird me yep. out. Um, so I don't know if you guys have seen this, but a handmade, like a, a homebrew is, is kind of the term that's used lately. Homebrew dice maker. Mm-hmm. Super talented dice maker. Somehow has encased SpaghettiOs inside of dice. Yep. I, I've seen that. Um, <laughs> and it just turns my stomach. <laughs> like it... it I don't know mm-hmm. if there's like that tryptophobia thing happening when I see these dice, but it weirds me <laughs> the fuck out to see that. I've seen those and those are also downright. Fun. Yeah, everybody go Again, Google yes. spaghetti dice. <laughs> You'll find them. A feat of engineering to be yeah. sure. Yeah. But yeah, because you can't you can't use the sauce yeah. in the dice. Like they, yeah. get the, they get the consistency and color yeah, perfect Griff, on that. You've done hand. You've done dice making. So yeah, yeah, I, I yeah, make a lot so of dice. You know, that's not an easy feat. It's actually that's impressive. crazy. I mean, I don't even know what they use for the spaghettios because it's not like you could use anything that has any well, bit of they, moisture in there. I, 
I need to look at them again. It could just be resin and SpaghettiOs, but it is impressive and gross. Um, Along those lines, I think I've seen like mac and cheese, like that same artist has done a number of crazy stuff. My favorite, my favorite is the big bean. I haven't seen that. Uh, I I actually want the gold. That's like perfect for Twitter right now. I don't know if you seen the fake bean <laughs> stuff going on, um, <laughs> which I think we participated in even today. Uh, go check it out. Um, the but like like so that one weirds me out. But like mm-hmm. there like there's a set that takes it even further. Uh, there's a dice maker in a dice company in the U.S., which is really great. They do incredible work. And they're a little bigger. It's not like a homebrew kind of thing. They're a serious dice company. Um, but they made a dice set out of human bone and uh, that they say was sourced ethically. But I'm sorry, I just can't. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> um, it's, a, it's a bridge too far for me on those ones. Um yeah, it's uh, that's quite the material. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I've seen a lot of. Wait, you were talking about yeah, ugliest dice. Yeah, I mean that that pretty much covers my two biggest like mm. gross out ver- and just plain discomfort dice. There's a lot going on yeah. out there. I can't. Re- I can't remember if I if I've actually seen this in real life or it was just like something I read and then thought of or had like a fever dream and this existed. But I'm pretty sure I saw like somebody's wisdom teeth that had been put into oh, dice. Oh god, I yeah, seen those. I know that. Okay, yeah, so I'm not, I'm not I'm not losing that bugs my mind. me a little bit. That's I remember real. somebody yeah. asking like cuz I'm, you know, I'm part of dice making forums cuz I make mm-hmm. dice and uh yeah, I remember like a thread about somebody asking, like, "Is there a place you can buy teeth?" <laughs> you know, I imagine your local Craigslist is probably the best start. But yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, some of these I think are belong in like awful taste, but great execution. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Yes. And some of the, some of them are kind of like. Like I get a lot of the, it's really hard to make blood look like like real blood look like blood in dice, and it's like can't yeah, no kidding because it doesn't stay red like that. Use <laughs> use dye. Mm. Yeah, like no shit. Don't put blood in your pressure cooker. They oh. <laughs> used to make dice. Man, but, but the the homebrew dice community is incredible. Like they've pushed the boundaries mm-hmm. quite a bit. Um, oh, it's yeah. not possible for us to replicate those in in a lot of the stuff that they're doing in in manufacturing, mass manufacturing. Well, you got to figure you've got you got twenty plus employees. <laughs> um, each of them has what like thirty, forty T. Oh god. That's the Halloween yeah. set. You're what's supposed yeah. to say? Oh, yeah, that's, that's, oh, oh yeah, cut that, cut that. I blew it. All right, Griff, did, did you have something to uh, to add to this one? Or we want to. No, move no. I, I, we we've talked about some of these ugly sets. I'm good. All right, cool. Um, all right, so uh, next one comes from a user named Matumbe Lover sixty nine. How do you find inspiration for new designs? 
We've talked about names and colors and stuff, but new designs. Are you Matumbe Lover 69? You'd no. think he was, but okay. no. That's 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 my old college roommate <laughs> who uh who we still hang out with. He's it's still Yeah, I gotta join the Discord. Um I would know this already. You do. <laughs> you do, man. So colors is like all Jesse. Um she just she gets in the lab and just starts cooking stuff up. Yeah, you never know where I don't know where she gets her inspiration, but she's doing the magic. For physical design, I do all the physical designs along with um like I said, my our first employee, which has now transitioned to design as well, the two of us, uh, with with a little help. So, so we, okay, sorry, we've got three. I don't want to leave. I don't want to leave all our designers out of this story, but we all collectively kind of work on new ideas. And really, it starts with the D twenty. Um, you got to start there. So there's a lot of interesting stuff you can do with asymmetry. But almost all of the time, it ends up if you're if you don't have symmetry on a triangle, which you then put on the d20, it on the on one face and repeat it. So if you're dealing with asymmetry, you usually end up with some really weird patterns that just mess with your mind. Um, they just feel wrong. And that's kind of like the the big constraint we fight against is finding symmetrical patterns that when repeated on a die, on a D20 specifically, don't blow your eyeballs out and don't make you just like, don't either invoke tryptophobia or don't feel busy. And, and that's kind of the, that's the real challenge that we have there. Like when we're working on a project, we could have 200 designs, like tr- we, we focus down to a triangle, we figure out something that seems good on a triangle, put it on an entire D20, and then see, oh, was that viable or not? Or is it is it uncomfortable to look at? Or is it impossible to read the number? But our design, like, inspiration-wise, it's a just, and this is the same for the R&D that Jesse does, it is trial and error, and it is 90% error, and like things just don't work. And most of your days end in disappointment, because nothing's working out. But it's those 10% of the times that you, you strike some, you strike gold, or you, or you even find an element that kind of has something. Like, we could play with that. Let's save that for later when we have the right project. We've got at least a thousand, probably much more than that, uh, across our different projects that we've worked on that we could pull from. There's an incredible amount of stuff you can do inside of a triangle, like more than you would think. When you pull it all together in a D20 across all the faces that form really intriguing and interesting patterns, um, but they just weren't right for that one project. So it's actually kind of rare that there's like an impetus, that there is a catalyst or an inspiration um, with the exception of pr- partnered projects um, or, or, you know, the rare occasion when we go into it thinking we need to do a Halloween die, we need to do whatever die. It's just dumb luck sometimes. And 
I mean, I mean, there's skill there too, but it sure feels like dumb luck when you hit those 10%, but you're, you're grateful and you'll take it because, <laughs> because there's a lot of, there's a lot of failures in R&D. It's almost all failures. So you gotta, you gotta take what you can get. Have you ever thought of taking one of those mind-boggling uh, designs and making it like the Eldritch Terror dice? Where like it's like you can't you can't comprehend the the pattern on the die yeah. and it breaks your I came mind. Up with one of those today, <laughs> and uh, uh, yeah, and and the other designer, you know, in our Slack channel, his only response was "ouch." <laughs> um, yeah, that would be actually pretty funny. If it weren't for the cost of creating molds and things like that. Right, right. <laughs> I could do a 3D print. I could do that. That's yeah. That's one yeah, of my the, goals now. 3D print. I'll send the print to you. If you, you clean it up and make a mold out of it. And it's right, the... Uh, I like where this is heading. It's the HLP disaster die. Yeah, the disaster die. Yeah, it You'll, wouldn't be fitting for us <laughs> any other way. Yeah, watch out. Watch out. You're going to... You're gonna move a truckload of those things. <laughs> We're gonna love them. You should, you should make, you should just make the percentile die and do them like specifically for Call of Cthulhu, where they're just like messed yeah. up like that. I think that would, I think that would be cool. Oh, It'd be very so niche. Fitting. So yeah, it the, probably wouldn't. The percentile die is everybody's bane. <laughs> right. I love that. That's truth. Uh, we only got a couple of, uh, a couple more for you tonight, Todd. So this other one also comes from the Tomb Raider 69. What kind of quality control goes into the metal dice? I imagine it's not as simple as to see the air pockets and imperfections like a uh, like a polymer set. Um, yeah, you're right, Matumbe Lover 69. You're right. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so quality assurance on metal dice is actually really difficult to do well. In that, like you said, you can't look for air bubbles. You can't even test for air bubbles. Though, I mean, if you guys bring me back, maybe I will consider giving you my philosophy about balance and bias and fairness in TTRPG dice. But I'm going to... I feel like we could probably get another 90-minute episode out (laughs) of that. I'm going to skip that for now. Um... (laughs) <laughs> and say that we do actually take it seriously. Um, I take it seriously. Um, in Metal Dice, so in the designing process, the CAD work that goes into it, I'm able to, using the software, tell where the center of balance is for that die. And most of the goal, and my goal in creating a die, when I'm, when I'm looking toward that, like having the center of balance as close as I can to zero, 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 is making sure that the each face volumetrically is equal or as close to equal as I can get. Um, that can that can mean changing faces, shifting things around a little bit. Um, but in the grand in the you know grand scheme of things, the, the center of balance of all our metal dice are like within I don't know, th- three points of uh, decimal places of zero, zero, zero. And surprisingly, you you can actually make quite a bit of changes to the overall die without affecting that number very much. Just because, like, 
99% of it is just solid metal in the core shape. Right. Mm-hmm. So there, so luckily it's not actually that hard to make sure that, that in theory, your die is balanced um, in the CAD world. So once that's translated into the real world, um, when, you, when you're manufacturing dice, there's a lot of steps. The dice have to be cast. And in, in our case, it's zinc that we're using. Um, and there's flash that's left over around the edges where the seams of the mold pieces come together. In the case of like a DN, uh, 20, a D20, it's like a five-part mold. So there's seams like across a lot of the dice. So there's very small flash that's left over that has to be polished away, which does mean that there is a human interacting with the die. Um, uh, and so I don't call, I mean, I've never said these are um, perfectly balanced or, I mean, there's, when you're talking about aluminum dice, sometimes they are, some people refer to them as, well, I'm trying to think of the word, but perfectly balanced. Precision dice, yeah. I don't know how that slipped my mind, but so precision dice is the, in theory, it's because that there's as little human interaction with the process as possible to introduce as little variability as possible. Even with those, it's not 100% because people are going to be rotating the die so that the machine, the CNC machine, is able to to get to the different faces. Um, either the one, like one single face or multiple faces, depending on how many axes is the axi? <laughs> multiple? Axes? Axes! That, yep. that sounds way better. <laughs> depending on the number of axes that the machine, the machine supports. Um, in our case, uh, so those are polished by hand. And then, so, I mean, there is some human involvement there. So I, I never claim they're precision dice, but can't tell you I I don't know how many times I've rolled d20s and other dice testing for bias uh, especially in our early days like that was my biggest concern like I was gonna dump all our our money into these dice what if people are worried that they're not balanced and so I would I built a dice tower and still got it in a closet somewhere and I started testing them, just rolling them over and over and over and over and over and over, and found pretty quickly that, um, the, so the typical way to measure like bias in dice, uh, if you just search online, you're gonna find um, the Kai goodness of fit probability test. And uh, if you follow that strictly, they would say basically that you only all have to roll a d20 20 or 200 times or sorry no 100 times 20 times the number of faces um or sorry five times the number of faces 100 but i found really quickly that that is not even close to good because you roll a die a d20 100 times you're gonna find that you don't even get 16 hit at all sometimes or a three never comes up right but if you rolled it two thousand times suddenly your your histogram like evens out like because like this is just how probabilities work sometimes you're not gonna get a 13 in a hundred rolls it just sometimes it doesn't happen 
So, um, yeah, so I mean, like thousands of times per die in my testing and just trying to, like, I was so worried about that question because I'd been out of the TTRPG scene for so long. I was terrified that I was going to put these out and people would be freaked out that they got two ones in a row and I didn't know how to answer that question. So, Jesse, like, if this topic comes up, yeah, she... She'll tell us stories of how frustrated she was that she kept hearing thunk, thunk, like at four in the morning while she's like sleeping next to me and I'm like tossing dice in a dice tower. But I really cared about that stuff. I was scared that, that this stuff might sink the company and her money. So, um, mm-hmm. but that is to say, I guess we do test these things. We, we, we um, we do look at this stuff and care about it, but there is only so much you can do with metal dice, and really, it comes down to rolling it and rolling it a ton. General quality, though, yeah, we look at every die, we look at every face. That doesn't mean we catch every problem, though. If you get a die that looks weird, contact us. We will fix it. Hundred percent question, like no question, guaranteed. We're gonna fix your problem. Um, so if we missed something in QC, tell us. Uh, they've got a lifetime guarantee. So don't worry about it. We'll we'll find a way to fix it for you. Great. That's 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 awesome, man. I I, I love the story about you just rolling dice all night. It's like, babe, go to bed. <laughs> no, I gotta make sure gotta they're make balanced. Sure. The people they need to be know. balanced in the set. <laughs> we both- yeah, that's that's fantastic. All right, so we got one more question tonight. Before we hopped on here, I mentioned to you, Todd, that we got tons and tons of questions. And for uh, for you, once I announced the Discord that you're going to be our next guest, we're not going to get to all of them tonight. Who knows? Maybe we'll have you back one day. That'd be a lot of fun. We got a lot more to talk about. Um, but this last one comes to us from Alex HP Lovesack. It's somewhat similar to the Tilda one. I, I'm worried we might have already kind of covered it. But what's the weirdest? set of dice you've seen so i have a d6 with emojis on them that's what he says um I, I, what's what's something that's really out there that might not be gross and ugly maybe like earlier but just mm. different yeah like interesting dice uh i like sure yeah so it's not my style to roll I, i'm kind of a purist but I really think that the stuff that Polyhero is doing is pretty cool, which is, again, not oh, yeah. not my, my not my type, but because it, it's like what, cylindrical what stuff for? usually for the most part. Oh, um, sure. they're the ones that do the sets for like like I'm playing a rogue. Mm-hmm. I have a D6. Mm-hmm. That's a dagger. Or the wizard like, shaped like a dagger. Yeah, like, yeah, like the, the wizard. The wizard hat, the wizard hat is the top D12 or D20. Yeah, and like the spell book is a D2. But they're really cool shapes, and and that stuff is hard to do, like in polymer, which is why they cost more than a normal set. Because there's a lot of a lot of technical problems to overcome to do stuff like that, and it's really cool. I think they're doing a great job. Um, likewise, I mean, uh, it, maybe not totally weird, but cool weird is some of the stuff that Q Workshops does. 
um, which is like like their macabre dice that they launched a Kickstarter for a year ago or whatever. Um, the skulls, all covered in skulls. Mm-hmm. Um, those were really cool dice. And also an engineering feat. Like there's really cool stuff happening in the dice world, um, even at the manufacturing level and even that we're not doing. Um, let's see. Uh, weirdest. I swear there was another one that was on the tip of my tongue. Um, oh, we, I think the weirdest thing we've done, weirdest quote unquote, that did not have numbers was there was a podcast that we found really kind of early on in this whole adventure of ours that we fell in love with called Brute Force. It's on the Geekly Network and it uses fate. So uh, we wanted to create something that was, we kind of teamed up with them and ideated some cool fate dice that did not have numbers that had like chunk chunks of bone on them it with fate you've got a plus a minus and a zero and two of each on the die uh, a d6 so the plus was made up of of like bone fragments and skull fragments and the zeros were made up of like jaw bones that were in circles and the minuses were just like a bone, like a femur or something like that. Todd, are are those the the fate die that you guys have on the website? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah, we 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 use those in at Origins for the the luck. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Game we played with customers. You have personal experience. Uh, that, those were actually my answer for this as well because <laughs> they were weird and different, and I, I hadn't seen anything like them before. They were they're very ah, cool. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. So a funny story, I can't help but like mention this because I'm staring right at it right now. I'm sitting at mm-hmm. what was our kitchen table during the early years, and there is permanently affixed to our table one of those dice because it was in a pool of resin because <laughs> Jesse was doing... R&D at our kitchen table because uh-huh. that's all, I mean, in the early days, we didn't have a lab. Um, here, let me show you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> that's amazing. Oh my it's god. It's <laughs> just stuck in this pool of red resin. That that's little so fucker will not come out. <laughs> and I am convinced if we tried we would tear a massive chunk out of our wood table. Yep, you definitely would. So the man, the man just has a a a, a die glued to his table. Yeah, so glued to the kitchen table. That's how so we funny. roll. I love it. Yep. Uh, yeah. So that I, yeah, it's right here. Just a permanent memory of uh, our early days, which is really cool. That's beautiful. Well, I kind of spilled the beans a little bit and said that that was kind of where where my mind was headed too with the fate dice. Uh, how about you, Griff? I've seen a couple that kind of piqued my interest. It's where the entire set is the same size dice, like the same same amount of faces and everything, mm. and it's just like if it's a it's a number that's divisible by every yeah. die's faces. So I think it's like a sixty sided die. Because it has, it has, for the D20, it's got 
repeated uh, 1 through 20 three times, and then for the D12, it's got it five times, 1 through 12, and et cetera, et cetera. But they're all the same, they're all the same shape. And so you roll basically the same die for, like the same shape die for every every roll. It's It was just an interesting concept. I've never seen anything like it. Mm, that is cool. I would definitely mix my dice up way more than I oh, already yeah, did. Yeah. I think they were big though. I think I mean to be a 60-sided die it has to be a little chunky if it's going to actually stay on a face too. Uh but the the other ones I I see occasionally are the are the rings that you like spin mm-hmm. that have, you know, you can get like a d20 ring and you spin it and it lands on on whatever. I can't imagine that working well at a fast place fast paced play table because it's like okay, well I'm just waiting to see what I got. Like give me a second. Now roll damage. Oops. <laughs> All right, well I you know my other hand's covered in D6 rings, so let me just get going. Yeah. Oh yeah, what if yeah. what if you are like somebody that casts fireball yeah. guns a ton of sneak attack damage. You just have a hand of D6s. <laughs> your, your one ring finger is just rings all the way yeah. up. <laughs> fireball hand that would be pretty yeah i think the cool one of the (laughs) coolest like kickstarters i saw for um along the lines of what you were talking about griff is uh was the double six dice so it's like six-sided dice that are actually d12s Um, oh yeah yeah but then they also did four d4s but but d's d12s and they were um speaking to the the problem that you pointed out where you would totally get your dice all confused they did something good with the d 12s or sorry the d4 version is they didn't use numbers for those ones they used symbols um or yeah so so that you could easily tell oh these are my d4s i'll pick those up instead of the d6s but the d6s yeah you would get those oh no actually those were picked so you wouldn't confuse those there you go with your normal d12 but it's a pattern that you know at some point you can't keep repeat like you can't make a pipped D twenty, um, right? Well, you could. <laughs> well, that's 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 quitter know, talk. If you're sadist, you could make such a die for someone. Um, that's when you got to resort to like, No, believe me, I've tried, <laughs> and it's glued to the other side of my table. <laughs> I tried. It's, it's on the other side of the table. Let me show you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well. I, I think that about wraps it up. Like I said, we got some more questions that unfortunately we, were, we weren't able to get to today. But Todd, we had a whole bunch of fun with you tonight. Absolutely. Um, I, I I just want to say right now that of of course uh, the HLP, you folks at home have heard it a billion times. Are huge fans of Die Hard. We love everything you do, from the actual die themselves uh, to the the quality they have to the causes you guys support to actually hanging out with you, Todd. We we had some beers together at origins and it was an absolute blast. So I, I just want to say for the rest of the HLP, thanks for being a great partner and a good friend too. Aww. You know what? I, I'm going to, I'm going to amend that statement. Thanks for being a great partner and a great friend. Oh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah. I, yeah. it really means a lot that you guys are on the dice affiliate program. Like you were, you were on my very short list of, or, you know, uh, of groups that I needed to have there, no matter what. Because, I mean, I've told you guys separately, but mm-hmm. I listen to a shit ton of podcasts, but I'm only up to date on like three of them, and you guys are one of them. 
I love your, I love you guys. And like listeners, please order something with the hideous dash fib uh, for right now, for this month code like money actually will go directly to these guys and we want to we want to create that channel and funnel and get make sure these guys have everything that they need to keep growing because i'm all behind you guys i love it i love you and good friends absolutely i mean the love is mutual my friend seriously we, uh, you know, I say this to the group all the time, but like, we wouldn't have jumped on the opportunity to be partners with you guys or shout you guys out originally if we didn't already, you know, love your product and hanging out with you guys. So, um, it's it's very much mutual. Thank you. It's it's dieharddice.com. It's it's diehard on all the social media platforms. Check them out. Use the code. Buy some cool stuff your stuff and, and for yourself, and you can support us while you're doing it. How cool is that? Todd, thank you again for joining us tonight. And I think it's about time that we wrap it up. So, Griff, is there anything you want to say to the folks at home? Buy Die Hard Dice and finish your drinks. <laughs> maybe, maybe they'll make whiskey rocks next. That's That should be the next venture. Let's talk Ooh. about that next time. All right. We'll see you next week. All right. Later. Bye. 